Well, the battle between Israel and Hamas continues to rage in the Middle East, and it doesn't seem to be slowing down. As I mentioned yesterday, we haven't seen this level of hostilities for a number of years. The Israeli Defense Forces said 146 rockets were fired at Israel from Gaza on Tuesday, with over 300 since this current conflict began. The IDF said the Israeli Air Force hit 200 Hamas and Islamic Jihad targets in Gaza yesterday. Reports overnight reveal uh, that there were continued attacks, and they have continued into today. Will this situation continue, continue to escalate, or is this just another dust-up in the Middle East? Joining me with the answer is best-selling author and former advisor to Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu and founder of the Joshua Fund, Joel Rosenberg. Joel, welcome back to Washington Watch. Thank you, Tony. Great to be with you. Well, Joel, Joel, I know you're watching this closely. You're back in the States, but I think you were just over in Israel just a couple of weeks ago. Uh, yeah, several months ago, but yes. Uh, it's, uh, it is, my eyes are riveted on there, as everyone else's are. Um, let me just say, to be clear, I, I did work for Prime Minister Netanyahu a number of years ago. I don't speak for him now. Uh, so I just want to be clear about that. But yes, the situation continues to go from bad to worse, 103 uh, rockets fired at Israel today. Uh, it, it's now just after midnight in Israel. Uh, so by last count, 103 rockets, 21 of whom shot down by the Iron Dome system that the U.S. helped uh, fund, the anti-rocket system. That's good news. And uh, as far as I know, there haven't been any Israeli casualties uh, because of this Iron Dome system. Uh, but it's not for a, a lack of trying on the part of Hamas and Islamic Jihad. Well, I have uh, the uh, the alert app on my phone, uh, having been Good. over there in Israel, and so it's been going off uh, throughout uh, the day. And I read, uh, actually, when I was in Israel in November, I was uh, able to tour one of the sites that uh, was a part of the Iron Dome. Uh, I got a briefing on the entire system, and, and I was reading this afternoon that uh, thus far in this uh, latest uh, series of attacks on Israel, it's had a 90% success rate in taking out the rockets, the rockets that it has uh, targeted. So I'm certain that that gives uh, Israel a little more flexibility. Uh, but uh, how significant is this current conflict? Is this just another conflict there between Hamas and Israel, or is there something more at play? Well, it's a good question, and I'm not sure that I have a, d a definitive answer yet. Uh, it, it seems to happen every few years now. Uh, I was in Israel in November of 2012, when um, the last big round of this happened, um, and uh, Israel almost invaded. Uh, they uh, mobilized their, their ground forces as they're doing now. They massed tanks on the border. They used a lot of air power. In the end, uh, the Egyptians were able to convince Hamas that it was not in their interest to continue this, and, and Hamas did stand down, and the Israelis did not have to do a ground operation and essentially reinvade. Uh, Gaza. So that was good. And I got to see the Iron Dome system. I was in the southern city of Ashkelon and uh, was watching rockets coming right at us. We were all running for bomb shelters. But we actually saw the Iron Dome system in action, and it blew out three rockets right over our heads. Uh, it was one of those surreal moments uh, of my experience in, in Israel, uh, because as you know, all through the 1980s, People were saying, oh, missile defense systems, they, it's just Star Wars, it's high in the sky, it's Hollywood, it can never work. These are really extraordinary systems, and they're allowing Israel to 
to not have to invade yet, right? right because Israeli citizens aren't dying. Um, and so that is, it's become a strategic defense system in, in, in truth, because it's helping give Israeli leaders some time to make some decisions. But of course, our heart goes out to the, the Palestinians uh, who, you know, are, are essentially trapped by these radical Islamists who are firing these rockets. And, you know, many Palestinians in the, in the Gaza Strip don't want this to be happening, but there's really nothing they can do about it at this point. Well, there's no place for them to go either. I mean, they're no, they're, no, they're it's right. And we really that. need to be, as Christians, praying both for the Israelis to be safe, but for the Palestinians as well, because yes. the Israelis, of course, are using air power quite effectively and decisively right now to try to take out these launcher sites and these various Hamas and Islamic Jihad um, uh, weapons depots and caches and rocket launchers. But they've got these these ra- radical terrorists keep all this equipment and these weapons right in civilian areas, and it's extremely difficult uh, to prevent uh, collateral damage. But the Israelis, as you mentioned, are doing a very good job of precision uh, targeting of, uh, of these sites and of the leaders, and so it is difficult for them, but uh, I think under the conditions they're doing, uh, they're, they're doing remarkable. Uh, Joel, you, you mentioned Ashkodan. That I mean, that's uh, eight miles from the Gaza border. Um, and I, uh, this afternoon, in fact, uh, on my way to uh, here to the studio just about an hour ago, another alert from there. I think they've actually had several uh, yeah. missiles fired there just this evening. Um, right. And it's not. I don't think people don't realize how closely this is. I mean, we're only talking about eight miles. Uh, this city from the uh, fr- from the border of Gaza. Uh, let, let me ask you this, Joel. From a standpoint, and, and you've you've written a, a lot of novels, kind of thrillers about uh, the Middle East, and uh, just uh, it, it's amazing how, how oftentimes your your novels that you write end up coming to pass in in many instances. How, if with all, everything that's going on in the Middle East right now, I mean, it is it is probably the most unsettled that we've seen in modern time. What I mean, what are possible outcomes here in in the Middle East from a geopolitical standpoint? Well, what's particularly troubling, Tony, is that uh, we seem to be watching the reaction of radical Islamic forces to uh, the Obama administration's uh, uh, consistent withdrawal from the region. Okay, so what you had is when President Obama was elected, you know, he was elected in beginning of '08 as as promising to get the United States out of Middle Eastern wars. And so he withdrew, of course, all of our forces uh, from Iraq and refused to negotiate um, in any type of serious way a status of forces agreement, which would allow us to keep at least a stabilizing force in Iraq. Not to keep fighting, hopefully, but at least to keep just, you know, be there in case, like we do in Korea, uh, as we are in, in, uh, in Germany and other places around the world. But by not having any U.S. forces there and signaling that we were going to withdraw our influence as well as our forces from the region, radicals have sort of watched for a while and then decided, let's start seeing if we can take ground and even take whole countries. And so we've seen uh, the radicals, of course, trying to overthrow the Assad regime in Syria. Now, Assad is no friend of freedom, peace, uh, but... Um, you know, you start, you, the struggle is, okay, 
what do you do if, if ISIS, this Islamic radical group that's so radical that al-Qaeda kicked them out, uh, what if they take over? Right? That's what, they're on the move right now. And uh, they're an al-Qaeda offshoot, an ultra-violent faction. It's hard to even imagine saying the words an ultra-violent faction of al-Qaeda, right? Yeah. Because al-Qaeda is the worst that there are. These guys are worse still. In fact, I'm writing a novel, I just finished it, to come out next spring, about ISIS trying to overthrow every regime in the region, uh, including Israel and Jordan. But that's what's happening. The radicals are on the move in, in, in Syria. Obviously, they're in the move in, on the move in Iraq, uh, and they've captured, you know, arguably half of Iraq right now, and we're not there to be able to stop them. And then, of course, you've got Iran uh, rising rapidly to try to get these, this, this deal by July 20th, which they believe they'll, get the, they'll be able to persuade the world to allow them to keep enriching uranium, and which will allow them to keep moving towards nuclear weapons, even with a legal international deal. It's stunning to think that that's how close we are to this, but we seem to be just a few weeks away. And then, of course, Hamas has decided, well, if everyone else is getting what they want, maybe we should start uh, uh, launch a new offensive to, uh, to uh, radicalize the Palestinians in the West Bank and Gaza. Let me just say, I think most Palestinians, certainly many, don't want any part of this violence um, but, the, again, the radicals are sort of driving the agenda right now throughout the region. You're listening to Washington Watch. I'm your host, Tony Perkins, joined by best-selling author Joel Rosenberg. We're talking about uh, the, the current uh, crisis in uh, the Middle East, uh, in particular today, focusing on the issue of, uh, of Israel. But you can't talk about Israel without talking about the rest of the Middle East. And, and, and Joel, right now, I mean, Israel, given, just, given how unsettled everything is over there, Israel is our, our only reliable ally. Uh, you know, I think Jordan, who's been pretty good neighbor to Israel uh, in the last, you know, the last uh, couple, last decade or so, um, they're at risk in, in this uh, turmoil that's in the Middle East. And, and you know, who, who knows who we have to depend on if we don't stand with Israel at this point in time? Yeah, I, I agree with that, Tony. I think uh, Jordan's King Abdullah II, uh, the son of, of course, the famous uh, late King Hussein, uh, is, is our strongest um, Arab ally, but there's no question that he has a big target on his head. He's a friend of the United States and a, and a really, truly faithful strategic ally. He has a peace treaty that his father negotiated with Israel back in 1994, and he has faithfully maintained it, even with all the tensions in the region. Uh, he's provided tremendous intelligence for the United States and, and Western allies on radicals, and he himself is a moderate. Uh, he is truly a reformer in the region. Not perfect, uh, but as a monarch, he has created stability. But he's also trying to move his country towards a, a more uh, pro-growth and, and freer society. I was mm -hmm. just in Jordan, uh, in Amman, uh, in early May, um, and met with the prime minister of Jordan, the foreign minister, uh, the prince, and several of the top officials. Did not have a chance to meet with the king. The king is actually in Washington right now. But I really was deeply impressed by how much this government of Jordan wants to be a, a key player, a peacemaker in this region. We have to make sure that they're hey, strong and they're safe. Joel, we're uh, up against the break. Yeah, up sure. against the break. Got to go. In, I'm going to have you back on to talk more about this. Fascinating. Folks, don't go away. Congressman Ted Poe on the other side. <laughs> 